welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing. Who wants to guess? Oh, At 12.15 a.m. Eastern on Monday morning. Joining me from New York City, where he and I just drove up from Philadelphia after covering today's 76ers and Celtics game four is Tim Montes. How we doing? Long time no see. He dropped me off at the hotel yeah. about 10 minutes ago. Uh, joining us from the Footprint Center, back after a brief but dearly missed hiatus, is Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. Hope you guys oh did gosh. miss me. Just not too the close same to the mic. Me. Huh? Too close too to the mic. Oh, oh, hey, hey, hey. It's always whisper, better when Ben is whisper in Phoenix, I hear. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, we were the collective, uh, we were at a bunch of uh, good basketball games today. Um, where do we want to start? Should we start with. Uh, the night game or the afternoon game, Bontemps? Let's start. Let's start with this. Uh, let's start with this. This Suns Nuggets game. Well, it was only like I didn't. I don't remember the exact note, uh, McMahon. It was only like the fifth time, or maybe maybe not the fifth time, but the fifth player in uh, history to have a fifty ten playoff game, and that's what Nico Jokic did in the loss tonight. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, you know, Monty Williams afterward basically said, I thought we played pretty good defense on him. You know, nothing was easy. And then there he is with 53 and uh, 11 or whatever it was. Um, but man, Booker is just in a ridiculous group. Booker has scored uh, 47 and 36 in the last two games and missed a combined nine shots from the floor. This guy's in one of the most ridiculous shot-making grooves that I've ever seen. Plus, he dished out 20 assists in those two games. Basically, with Chris Paul out, he's essentially running point and lighting the world on fire. And then this was by far Kevin Durant's uh, best performance of the series. And, you know, KD, frankly, hadn't played up to his ridiculously high standards in this series until tonight. Um, but, I mean, this is this is why the Suns, you can't count the Suns out no matter how much they lack depth even if Chris Paul's hurt, as long as they have KD and Booker, they're going to have a chance because, you know, these guys, we can argue about they're two of the top whatever players, but like it's a single-digit number, I think, as far as where these guys rank in the league. Let me just read some Devin Booker stats from our guy Stats Williams. In the postseason, Devin Booker is shooting 78% in the restricted area, 68% in the paint, 61% from mid-range, and 51% from three. Over games three and four, Devin Booker has gone 20 for 26 on jump shots. That is the highest field goal. He shot 77%. That is the highest field goal percentage on jumpers over a two-game span in the playoffs over the past 10 seasons with a minimum of 25 attempts. There have been over 900 instances of a player taking 25 or more jumpers over a two-game span over the past 10 years, and that is by far the best shooting performance. He has just been absolutely unbelievable in the playoffs the only guy who you can argue as playoff mvp over him at this point is jimmy butler given the way jimmy butler has played otherwise devin booker has been truly incredible 
Well, as you guys know, uh, Butler missed a game, so he's invalid for winning any. Award. Oh, wow, wow, wow! Listen, um, if, if we're gonna if we're gonna do wine, and we got to wine and try to get Joker suspended because we got a bunch of crybabies. Oh my gosh, <laughs> he nudged the 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 billionaire who flopped like a freaking. I mean, give right, me a hold break. On. Do they teach flopping classes right, at no, Michigan State? Too fast. What are we doing here? Hold on, just in case uh, people didn't knows see what I'm it. Talking about? No, I don't want to assume that. People wake up in the morning. They didn't stay up late. That's what we do for them. Uh, was it the second quarter? McMahon, I didn't second see it quarter, live. I, I do believe. It. Yes, it was. Okay. Um, ball goes out of bounds in the corner, um, in basically right into Matt Ishbia, the brand new owner of the Phoenix mm-hmm. Suns seats. Um, Josh Okoji goes crashing in to uh, his colleagues or whoever is there as his guests. Uh, he in, he inherited since he bought the team midseason. He inherited Robert Sarver's seats, mm-hmm. so Mattish Pia sits where Robert Sarver did. And he had two people with him, and then to his immediate right was Isaiah Thomas, mm. who's a close friend of his. So the wow. ball, <laughs> Akoji ends up in in some guys' laps, mm-hmm. and what I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, McMahon, is that I think. Uh, Jokic sees a Koji like laying on the ground, sort of incapacitated. He wants the ball to inbound it to get a he, five. Yeah, he wants advantage. to go. He wants to go. Right. Yeah. But he can't inbound it because the billionaire has the ball. Matt Ishbia is holding onto the ball. Jokic so, tries to grab the ball. Ishbia, he's like, you know, it's a loose ball now. Like he's trying to, you know, he's not right. going to let he's, he's back to his, his Michigan State player days. He was on the end of the bench. Michigan State and, practice days. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what he did. And he, so he throws the ball like where Jokic can't get it. He throws the ball into, you know, a row back and Jokic goes to sort of try to fetch it. And he comes kind of chest to chest with Ishbia and pushes him back. And I want to say nudged. Okay. I, fair, I, I think pushes. He gave him a little, he gave him a little, you know, that, he, I, look, he, I, he, gave, he cleared when, his personal space. After Ishbia, after after Ishbia put his hands on him, I will also there, add there there was contact there, and then Ishbia. Oh my goodness! I mean, boy, you talk about really in, in selling the contact. I mean, whoa, fell back through the hands. Oh, whoa, whoa baby! This <laughs> Marcus Smart level flopping to get to. The, I mean, listen, I'm surprised the game we're talking about later. I'm surprised the chair didn't fall down, boy. Just without, I without thought it was. I'm sure nobody. I'm sure other people did, but maybe nobody involved. I thought it was hilarious. When I, I saw the video, hilarious. I was laughing so hard and mostly just laughing at Ishbia. Like, I'm going to tell you something. Draymond Green, fellow Michigan State um, alum. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he graduated. I think he graduated. Um, had to be impressed by seeing that flop. Yes. And it was hilarious. And he was he was trying to get Jokic busted, trying to get him in he, trouble. And he did. Jokic got teed up. Joker got teed up. Um, you know, Tony Burke. That point, that, that point mattered down the stretch of the game. Hey, Devin Booker said about Ishby, he said he did his job over there. He got us a point. Said he hadn't watched the film. Uh, hadn't seen the video of the play. And then I did inform him, you know, as a uh, thorough reporter that he flopped. But he, he listen. That's why you flop. You flop to get the call. He got the call. So I mean, job well done. I'm not. It's not an insult that he flopped, 
But this idea that the league, oh my gosh, they're going to suspend Joker. Give me a break. If they do that, come on, man. It would be reprehensible well, if the NBA suspends Nikola Jokic for this. Absolutely reprehensible. It should not, yeah. nothing. If you want to fine him a little bit because he touched Ishbia, fine. Ishbia started this entire thing. He's not a fan. I don't want to hear nonsense about how this is a fan. He's not a fan. He is part of the Suns. Mm-hmm. Well, but this Jokic, is not a big did deal. Did Jokic say after along. the game whether he knew who he was? Yeah, but he kept referring to him as the fan. And I think that was intentional. <laughs> and here's a quote. The fan had his hands on me first, so I thought the league was supposed to protect us. Which he did. Yeah. And and you know what? <laughs> but listen, to me, it's it was a funny moment that I'm sure annoyed the hell out of Joker and the Nuggets. Um, but as Bon Tim said before we started recording, uh, it was a funny moment that shouldn't take away from this was a freaking unbelievable basketball right. game. Ding, ding, so, ding. Let's just assume, let's just hope, not assume. What happens when you assume? Let's just hope that if there's any other additional action, it's a fine and not anything crazy. Because and I, by the we way, we've been, pretty, we've been pretty bad on our league office ruling predictions on this agree. pod this year. So. I agree. I didn't yes, think Draymond was going to get, I didn't think Draymond was going to get suspended. So, um, yeah. uh, all right. So one of the things that happened in this game McMahon is the bench, which has obviously been one of the storylines of the whole playoffs. The Phoenix bench just give, being able to give nothing, particularly in the in the in the way of scoring. Um, it arrived mostly in the form of Landry Shamit, who finally had a good shooting game. He's been in a slump for weeks. Hit five mm-hmm. out of eight threes, scored nineteen points, most of them in the second half. Also um, played Terrence- really good defense against Jamal Murray, which was critical because that means they don't have to ask Booker to do that. You know, for forty plus minutes. Yeah, they uh, they still played Durant forty four, but you know, I, right. they got to do what they got to do, I guess. I mean, I yeah. I just remember the last time Durant was playing this minute load was in two thousand nineteen. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to. Jock Landale had another really good performance, not necessarily, uh, you know, eight and five, eight rebounds or eight points, five assists, but a plus sixteen in twenty one minutes. He's a guy who has basically gone from totally out of the rotation to playing a key role in in uh, these two wins. So. You know, Monty Williams is still like they don't have a set rotation. They're, they're outside of Booker and and uh, and KD who are going to play the vast majority of the minutes. There's a whole lot of searching still. There's a whole lot of trying to figure things out on the fly. I mean, yeah, but I mean, Tory Craig to... was like mm-hmm. maybe their third best player in the last series. He didn't play tonight. He played seven uh, seconds. Okay, you're right, seven seconds. But he did not um, have as big an impact on this game as Matt Ishbia. Look, they had 50 bench points combined over the first three games, and today they had 40. Yeah, and it was a bad game for the for the uh, Nuggets bench, which has been a big advantage for them all series long until now. But like, they had 11 bench points. Bruce Brown is, you know, he didn't he didn't really make an imprint on this game. Uh, Christian Brown, they pulled the plug on him pretty early. Um, but it was still a game down to the end because Joker, oh my God, the dude had 53 and yeah. I mean, his three and 11 the shots he makes, you know, KD was like, I hate it when he hits shots because they're so un- unorthodox. You think he's going to, it's going to be a miss. And then he friggin' makes it and he makes it look easy. Uh, I mean, just like this guy at seven foot, 200, I don't know what. 75 80 whatever it is like he's just hitting teardrop 14 footers with guys draped all over them and you know just, just makes the whole shots. court look like it's smaller 
it's like you're playing with your kid. You can, you're, you're playing with a small ball, you can palm it and you can manipulate it and you can make every shot because everything's smaller. He just, he just maneuvers the ball and puts the in like, like, like he's a giant. And well, here's another, his, here's another stat. Nicole Jokic, Jamal Murray scored in his, or assisted on 102 points in this game. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant scored or assisted on 101 points in this game. It's the first time in the last 25 playoffs that I mean, there was, two, was an two, two it was NBA Jam. That. It, really it was basically was. NBA Jam, two on two, and it just f- unbelievable. Like the, some of the plays, I mean, you're just shaking your head at some of these shots these guys are hitting. Some of these, some of these give and goes that uh, Jamal Murray and Jokic oh. operate were. Murray will come down the floor, give it to Jokic, and then just, you know, one of the great two-man games of all time is watching Steph and Draymond work together where mm-hmm. Steph just sort of invents where he's going and Draymond figures it out. Like, this is the mastery is almost the exact same. Well, and Joker's yeah. making passes in small little windows. Oh, my and, God, uh, it's crazy. I forgot who, I forgot who was that, that one of the sons was talking after uh, or, or between the games. And he was talking about, you know, he's so tall that you're worried about the passing windows up here, up high. You got to get your hands high. Keep your hands high. Then he's throwing these crazy bounce passes through traffic. I mean, some of these passes, like. Well, that pass, that pass of game three to Aaron Gordon on the cut in the lane when he threw that bounce pass, like I thought for sure it was going to be a turnover. And it just like snaked right in front. Gordon caught like he just does stuff that you you can't even imagine. And it's like he's throwing the ball and it's basically saying, hey. Go go there, like he's telling right. guys by where he's passing, wh- you right. know where they need to be going, and like obviously Murray's got a great feel playing off of him. You know, Gordon has really developed a nice feel playing off him. He, I mean, he's just he's so fun to watch. He is the best. Well, I don't say the best because then somebody will come up with something and all. He is the best I have ever, the best bounce passer I've ever seen, the best diagonal. Mm. Passer I've ever seen. Ooh, Let's just make it simple. He's the best. He's the best. That one. He's the best big man passer of all time. Period. No question. And then you want to talk about beyond that? There's debates. Yeah, because he's that good. Yeah. And he scored fifty three tonight on sixty seven percent. Yeah, shooting. twenty twenty for thirty <laughs> shooting. Yeah, and that's if the you thing. Foul, this... He makes his foul shots. He's eleven for thirteen from the foul line. He does everything. That's the thing. The, the Suns' offense is so incredible when those two guys are going. Um, but the burden on them is so high. You know, they put up 129. I, I'd be stunned if they get this much bench production again in this series. Maybe they will. That's, I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, they won this game because of Landry Shamit. And yeah. like for as good as Booker and Durant were, this is what we've been talking about, right? They need other guys, especially with Chris Paul out, to step up and make plays. And Landry Shamit going five for eight from three. I think he hit at least four, if not all five of those threes in the fourth quarter. I think it was four of them. Um, but I mean, those shots were gigantic shots because every time Denver's going down and Jokic is scoring and it was Landry Shaman who kept them ahead down the stretch. And like, if they're going to win two more games in this series, they're going to need, whether it's him or Terrence Ross or some of these other guys, uh, campaign, DeAndre Ayton's got to give them more than eight points in 27 minutes. Like they're going to need some of these other guys to make shots. Cause look, I mean, maybe Devin Booker's going to go 14 for 18 and score 36 points every single game. But it's asking an awful lot for KD and Dur- and Book to combine to score 72 points on 25 for 37 shooting. 
Like if they got to do that three more times this series, as good as they are, I don't know if they'll pull that. Don't have to do two more times. Well, sure, twice more. Fair, fair. Well, I'll just say that's. It's a high burden to ask them to do it twice more, but they're good enough. They just might. They're I mean, they had 86 is. last game. I not know, as efficient. Not as I efficient know. by KD, at least. But Jokic, but 53, Jokic's 53 points are the most in regulation in a loss in playoff history. And that is a commentary, not just on Jokic, but on the Suns. Because basically what they're saying is, is that a performance like this is almost unrecoverable unovercomable yeah. in any any game in playoff history but that's how good durant and booker were to overcome well, and, that. and durant and booker 158 points during these two games at home to tie the series up that is the most ever by a duo in a pair of two straight playoff wins the only duo to score more in two straight playoff games was michael jordan with a little bit of help from orlando woolridge and uh, those were the first two games of the 86 series that they got swept by the celtics so right when he had 63 and the, 60, 49 and then 63 and then yeah. you know, rich had 27 in both games uh, but i mean and again kd by his standards had yet to play well until today he because like 12 or 31 you don't see kd have inefficient shooting nights very often now he got to the line a ton so he got he got his 39 points um but you know this was one where you know he's got to line 13 times 11 or 19 from the floor he also did a nice job distributing six assists. He rebounded well. This was, uh, I mean, this was like a, a classic KD type of performance. So well, the other big swing stat in that game, too, we talked about earlier in the series. Suns had 29 three-point attempts. Nuggets only had 22. Like, and KD and, and Booker combined to go five for eight. Like, that's those guys feel comfortable taking four or five threes. Like right. you mentioned, McMahon, when KD starts taking 10, 12, 14, that's when his line – starts to get more inefficient. And that's where if you can get, you know, Terrence Ross went two for six, Landry Shamit goes five for eight. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, those guys start knocking down threes. It's just a massive swing in, in Phoenix's favor if they're able they're, to have that at all. They're going to be there for them too because, you know, they're throwing two guys, especially a Booker. They're trying, like, they're, you're not just going to let Booker go one-on-one all, all game long. So they're, those threes are going to be there for those guys, and that's why – you know, Tory Craig is basically not playing in this series because they've they've valued like, and Ross and Shaman have, you know, they've been in and out of uh of, of the mix, but they need them to hit those backside button naked wide open threes. Okay, so we're we're gonna have this discussion and we talk about the Celtics Sixers series that Bontemps and I are covering. Um, but I'm gonna have it here too. What's your belief level? that the Suns can take game five. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. The NFL schedule drops this week and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with vivid seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. 
Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Honestly, it's not real high. I think that, you know, the old thing of the role players play is significantly better at home. I don't know that this translates to to Denver. Um, You know, I, I do think that the the nuggets role players will will play significantly better um the altitude is a thing i mean the, there's a reason that the nuggets do they have the best home court record in the league if not it was like one or two second but to there you go right but you know i mean it's awfully tough to win games there um obviously i hey if you got if you have kd and booker you're going to have a chance in any game but it's a it's a monumental challenge to win a game five on the road, and we're going to, like you said, we'll talk about this with the Sixers Celtic game too. Um, you need to have special players who can do special things. And we Devin Booker in particular, Devin Booker in particular right now is a special player doing special things. I think Denver is going to win the series. I think they're going to win game five. I think the play in every other day with the amount of minutes in particular yeah. that KD's having to play is going to catch up with them as the series goes along. But you ask my confidence level, like, it's like a 52-48 because right. Denver's been awesome. I think Denver's going to win, but as somebody who thought the series was over after two games and didn't think that they could pull this off, you look at the way Devin Booker's playing right now in particular, I don't know how you could say you don't have faith that he could pull something off because, I mean, he's just – he's making everything. Like and he's, it's, he, and it's, really it's not just the shot making. He is all around unbelievable yeah. throughout these yeah. playoffs. Well, there's you know 20 assists in the last two games when hey the the point guard is sidelined by a strained groin, not sure at 38 he's coming back in this series. You got to assume those duties. Okay, boom. Here's here's 20 assists in two games where he's scoring. I can't even the book the book 36 and 12 assists on four, yeah. yeah, 36 and 12 assists on 14 for 18 shooting. It's just bonk, it's just bonkers. Yeah. And he's Booker, been he's been good crazy. defensively also all, all awesome. playoffs too. Awesome defense. Booker played on the ball a little bit last series too. Um yeah. Uh, so I mean, he's just. I mean, I wrote a piece that ran two days ago about how great Booker's been because mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that was before this one. Okay. Um. All right, so Bontemps and I got to see an overtime game this afternoon in um, in Philly. Um, <laughs> very interesting set of circumstances down the stretch in this game. Um, primarily, and I don't want to boil it down to one play, but the defining play of this game, um, Boston has taken a two-point lead. There's 38 seconds left. Philly has a timeout. Uh, they run a play where they put um, Joel Embiid and – James Harden on the same side of the floor. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Bontemps have have the have Embiid and uh, Harden scored more points in a game this year combined. Maybe when one of them had like fifty and the other, um, but have they yeah. both scored over thirty in a game this year? I would. I'm sure they have. I don't know. I okay. don't have it in front of me, but I'm sure they have. Well, this is one of the best performances the two of them have had combined. Uh, you know, during the season, it wasn't the greatest Embiid game, but. It was he he got it done. And then Harden, after going five of 28 shooting in games two and three combined, um, he just was so much more focused and so much more looking for his shot and scored. I think he had 18 points in the first half or something like me, 21 points in the first half. He got off to a great start and um, you could just see his confidence grow. And we'll talk about why I think that happened in a second. But 
Doc Rivers drew up a play where he put Harden and Embiid on one side of the floor and spread and stretched everybody else over to the other side. And um, it, it confused the Celtics a little bit because they were expecting something else to run. Because long story short, I won't get into all the X's and O's. You can go to someone more smart than me. Um, but Jason Tatum was on Joel Embiid. And um, that wasn't I, there's no way that's the way they wanted it to be. Um, if it is, I'd be surprised. Well, but- I, I'll actually I'll actually push back. That's exactly the way they wanted it to be, because the Celtics all series all game long were pre it's called pre-switching every action. So they were comfortable with whoever was going to guard him on that possession that and Doc Rivers, to his credit, took advantage of that because he got the matchup he wanted, which was Joel Embiid being guarded by Jason Tatum. And that's both because of how the Celtics were guarding the Sixers. And it was because of the personnel that Joe Missoula had on the court and didn't have on the court in some well, instances. Okay. I, I, I'm not going to pretend to know exactly what happened was Tatum began guarding um, Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris sort of ran through and, and indeed sort of set a flash screen and they switched. That's right. Um, I, I, I don't know the tendencies. I, I wish I could tell you, I knew exactly what the Sixers and Celtics were saying in their huddle. I'd be surprised if that's what they wanted. Obviously when you issue the edict that you're going to switch all screens in a scramble situation like that, you have to be comfortable with anybody on the court ending up on Embiid. I understand what you're saying, uh, but I can't believe that's what they thought well, was going to happen. The, well, that, but that, that's what they, but that's what they did. But that's the immaterial. Game. Let's just, let's move but on. The, from that. But the problem was, Hey, you know what? If Embiid scores, Hey, it's a tie game. You that's can live right. with that. So you, anyway, you can't live with is a three. So right. while Brian, so, like, Hey, it makes sense. Right. Man. And has got a mismatch. Got to come okay. down to help. It's a wide I, open I don't, three. I don't know much about basketball X's and O's, but I do know that when you are up two points and you have a guy, a three pointer, guy standing in the corner mm-hmm. you do not leave him well let's and, go back to game four of grizzlies lakers that mcmahon was at when lebron james drove down the lane you had dylan brooks and desmond bain on the strong side corner what did they do they stayed on their guys because they didn't want to give up a three uh that was actually they didn't follow the game plan well i mean they but that's what that's what held them there though was it was a two-point game and they'd like said i oh, god do we come or not right they hesitated because of that I'm just saying. Well, like anyway, it, that's the that's the push. J- J- Jalen Brown, who has been the Celtics' best player in this series, mm-hmm. um, and has been terrific at both ends. And one of the one of the significant factors early in the game that I thought Jalen Brown got a very cheap questionable foul about 80 seconds into this game it was basically the first whistle of the game. It happened right in front of us on the court. I don't know if I would call it a Tobias Harris flop, but Tobias basically fell down. He just and tripped, and they called a foul because he kind of sort of bumped right. into Jalen Brown. Was it Ishbia esque? No, it was just an accident. It was an accidental stroke right. of luck for Tobias. He just right. tripped, and they called a foul. And so then, when Jalen Brown got called for a, a legitimate foul a minute or two later, all of a sudden he had two fouls. They didn't want him to come out of the game so early in the game, so they took him off mm-hmm. of James Harden. They're one of the big reasons why James Harden was is ineffective in games two and three was not the only reason, but one of the big reasons was Jalen was up in him and he was bigger and stronger than most players 
mm-hmm. to defend him during the year. And that's not me talking. That is what Doc Rivers said before this game is that he was having trouble with that. Now, the Sixers had some game plan stuff planned where they were going to do kind of double picks to try to do anything that they could to get Jalen Brown off, off of him. And in fact, later on in the game, the Celtics were putting Jalen Brown and other players to try to prepare for screens. But forget about all that. Jalen Brown was playing awesome. Okay. And in that last second up to, he left Harden in the corner. Yeah. And he actually came over and made a very, very good, aggressive, late, you know, very textbook double team on Embiid with Tatum to basically block his shot, you know, block his path to the, to, to, to getting a good clean look. The problem was as soon as Embiid saw that Jalen Brown helped, I don't even know if he even saw exactly where Harden was. He flipped that pass over there, Harden catch and shoot. I know a catch and shoot is not his game, but he was hot in this game and bam. Um, Stat for again from stats Williams um, coming into this postseason. Um, I don't, it's coming to this postseason, coming to this series. Uh, he was one of 10. Harden was one of 10 in his playoff career in three point attempts in the last 30 seconds to go ahead. He's two for two in this series, wow. the two wins. That's a hell of a And, stat. and um, so that sort of, you know, accentuates, underlines what sort of series this has gone and how Harden is done. He has two 40 point games and they're two and no in those games. Well, and, and, and really and, like it's, it's simplifying, oversimplifying, but Harden has been awesome twice. They've won those games and awful twice. They've lost those games. That's true. And Jalen, by the way, Jalen, after the game, immediately stepped up and took accountability and said, I screwed up. Yeah. And there was a lot more that happened, including Bontemps, the two possessions that the Celtics had what, one what at the end of regulation and one at the end of overtime where mm-hmm. they just ended up with Marcus smart threes and he missed them both. And if he'd made one of them, actually he made one, but it was late. Yeah. But so on that game. one, what did Tatum say about that? Cause I, I think Tatum's got to get a shot there. Like so, especially he, he started slow, but he was, you know, he got rolling in that game. I don't know what he missed his first seven, eight, nine shots, but he ends up nine to 20. So he, he'd gotten rolling. He's got to get a shot yeah, up. He there. missed, he missed his first eight shots. Um, Bon Temps and I talked about this at length on the drive up. I watched the replay a bunch of times on the last play of the game where, where he gets the ball to Marcus smart, but it just smart. Doesn't get it off in time. They started the possession with 18 seconds um, and two timeouts. And, they elected not to call timeout. And what Tatum said was, look, last year, one of our plays of the year was, remember that first playoff game against Brooklyn last year where they just ran like through a bunch of different options in their offense and it led to a Tatum dunk like right at the buzzer, like it went in split before the buzzer. He mm-hmm. goes, Tatum goes, we didn't call timeout then. You know, everybody thought it was great. He goes, this is what we do. And I watched that play over and over to see if he had a, if he could have taken a shot. He drove in from the left wing and bead was kind of there. You know, I, he wasn't I don't really know what there. To, he said, he, after was the game, there. Here's, he wasn't actually, here's what he said. I waited a second too late when they came and doubled. When a bead came over, I tried to kick it out, but I probably should have went and probably dribbled it to her. When a bead so, came over. Yeah, he tried to kick it out. He should have just stopped and taken a 10 footer over Tyrese Max. Well, he did he not do six, that. He is six foot 10 and he was being guarded by a six just, foot just 10. Like, hey, just like he question. didn't shoot over Tyrese Maxey with 30 seconds to go in game one when Michael Brogdon threw the pick six to Maxey in that situation. 
Yes, it was similar to that play in game one where they didn't when it was a little bit of a hot potato situation. But look, he before Harden hit the three that won the game, Tatum hit a three to give them the lead with 38 seconds left. That's fine. Game they th- wait, they they waited way too long, and he should have taken a shot and didn't, and then so they didn't get a shot. It's well, this isn't Missoula, really up for debate. Missoula is under Joe Missoula, who has been kind of defiant about, you know, adjustments. He he is well, really the timeout. Re- the timeout thing has been a thing in Boston all year because mm-hmm. he's a first time head coach. And all year long, there's been all this running commentary on Joe Missoula not calling timeouts. Well, frankly, I thought most of it is stupid. I don't really think it's uh, really that relevant most of the time. And I thought in these situations, I typically like at the end of the games when teams don't call timeout because defenses don't get a chance to set up. They don't get to sub guys out. You can have guys like Tyrese Maxey on the court, for example, who aren't very good defenders and you can't attack because they're smaller players. And, you know, I, I thought that that part of it was fine. The issue, the more, the bigger issue I had, especially with the second one was they just waited far too yeah. long. Philly had no timeouts. The Celtics had two. You've got to come down and immediately attack with 18 well, seconds to go. This is what Jackson is this four. is what Jackson is saying in our group chat here. He's like, Well, what if you're down two? How do you wait to the end? And that's of course true. If you're down two, you can't wait till the buzzer to shoot. You've got to give yourself an opportunity for an offensive right. rebound. I mean, that's right. basketball one oh one. Um and that's on Tatum. That's on Tatum. Wendy, how sick yeah, are you Bon Temps at this point? <laughs> Bontemps, here's the thing about Bontemps that's remarkable. So the last two nights, you know, we've been ahead of your game. So our game is taking place and then your game's taking place. And Bontemps, he's, he's in the press room and he's watching the game. He's like, he's, he's on his computer watching the Suns game. And he's reacting as if we're all watching it. You know, he'll be like, oh, ooh, ooh, why did he do that? But, you know, we're not all watching it. So it, it is a, you know, that is interesting that he, he plays that way, but he was nice enough to, to drive me up to New York city tonight. So I was able to get up here. Did so you I'm put in saying. AirPods for that? <laughs> well, we were, um, we were having debates. We had the Suns game things. on the car. Oh. This car. Yes. Audio I had to, to I, I, I almost, I was watching the Suns, but in trying to give him play by play, he didn't always, except the play-by-play and wanted to watch. And so I felt like I had to turn it away so we had watched the road because I-95 on Sunday nights gets a little interesting. Um, <laughs> Brian was but, very nervous on I-95, but we made it just fine. Yeah, well, I think I was – I think I think the Greg Popovich term appropriate fear was <laughs> yes. in uh, – There were a lot of cars but, flying by at very fast speeds, but we, yes, we got here okay. Anyway, anyway um, so the Celtics – you know, in this game, Joel Embiid, Doc Rivers kind of rolled the dice in this game. You know, they were ahead by, I think, as many as 16 points. Um, they were controlling the game largely because of um, of how well uh, Harden was playing. And Embiid, obviously, they both scored over 30. Um, and he left his starters out there a little longer, and they ran out of gas. Mm. And Boston was hard charging in the fourth quarter. They were more well-rested. They were getting stops. The 76ers were like, they were having possessions where they were getting down the court. They weren't even getting into like their, 
I wouldn't even call it a set. They weren't even getting to where they were going to stop at till there was 14 or 12 on the clock. And then there were, we have a, mut- we have a mutual friend who was, per- who was correctly calling it prevent offense for the final few minutes of the game. <laughs> yeah. Where Joel would just literally one time there was a shot clock violation and I'm fairly certain Harden dribbled it for the entire 24 seconds. And there was a couple other times where Embiid got the ball and just didn't do anything. He just sort of stood there and the Celtics almost pulled it out. Um, and I got to tell you, this was the, I want to say the, like about 21st or 22nd Celtics playoff game I've covered the last two years. They've lost, you know, a handful, a seven, eight, seven, eight of them. I don't know, eight, nine of them. I don't know how many they've lost. Most of their playoff losses they can kick them. They can really say, we let this one go. And this one qualifies. They were, they were up, up five f- with two minutes to go. Yeah. Like they got to win that yeah. game. They have to, especially against a Sixer team where Joel Embiid, he's coming back from this knee injury. Obviously he didn't play very well by his standards. He still had 34 and 14, but he, he even Rivers, admitted he didn't play well. well no, he, he didn't play well for sure. Doc Rivers brought him in with nine minutes to go in the game because the first three minutes of the fourth quarter, Philly couldn't score. And he was gassed. Mm-hmm. I mean, the big fella with his hands around his knees every time there was a stoppage. At one point, PJ Tucker went over and basically screamed at him to snap out of it and get going. Al Horford, after- Al Horford stoned Embiid three times in the fourth quarter. In the final five minutes of the fourth quarter. Straight blocks, straight man on man blocks, not Robert Williams coming in like right. a pterodactyl in the weak side. Straight one on one. I'm putting my hand up and rejecting you blocks because Embiid couldn't jump. Well, Tatum also came right over the top and got a huge offensive rebound. Tatum did not shoot the ball well early in the game. He had a good second half, but he had 18, 19 rebounds, was all over the place, was doing a lot of stuff. He came skying in for an offensive rebound over Embiid when again he couldn't jump. And for all the talk about James Harden the last couple games, going five for 28 from the field, his worst two game stint in either the regular season or the playoffs of his entire career shooting the ball. Um, he's Joel Embiid is lucky. James Harden bailed him out today because if they had lost this game and gone down three, one at home, I know the big fellow just got MVP a couple days ago, but this would have been all about the big fellow no, not his, having juice down the stretch. His stat line was good, but his game wasn't. And if you watch even it, even the stat agree. line, like 11 of 26 is not a good stat line. Well, he him. missed a, he had a really good first two and a half quarters. And then he, he, got yeah. tired and i mean again some of it's understandable the guy's playing on a sprained knee he missed two weeks he's working mm-hmm. his way back into shape but you know this is a, as we talk all the time this is a results business and the results in the playoffs are what they are and mm-hmm. if they've lost this game on him not having energy down the stretch you better believe that's what people would have been talking about tomorrow instead they're talking about james harden stepping up and making massive massive plays and you know, we got ourselves a series. So that's the thing. So now let's ask this. I was a question about our confidence level that Philadelphia can win on the road in Boston in game five. So, you know, you can make the argument. So game, game two was lopsided in the Celtics favor game three. It came down to the fourth quarter, but the Celtics pulled away. Um, it wasn't down to the last seconds. And then games one and four, basically um, both times, the, the Sixers won on uh, Harden three pointers in the last twenty seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so you would hear that and say, well, the Celtics are, you know, a couple of bounces away from possibly having swept. And so you'd say, well, the Celtics should win. And I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, I believe the Celtics are the better team. I don't think that's a hot take, Yeah. but they have now messed around here and they have opened the door for a big Embiid game. Now I can't sit here and tell you that I expect that because he has the sprained knee. He's playing a lot of minutes. I think one of the reasons why he wore out in addition to the extra minutes is that they had a game on Friday night and another game on Sunday afternoon, but they have opened the door for Embiid to drop a masterpiece, which we know he can do Mm -hmm. and put them on the ropes. And they've done that by letting this game go. I know that they were behind for most of it, but they had the game in control. And so, so many times these game fives went 2-2. I mean, game fives, when it's 2-2, have kind of defined LeBron's career. He's had some of his best games in those moments and some of his worst. Uh, Has been a long time since he's had a bad one. Um, But um, the Celtics have put themselves in a bit of an uncomfortable situation. What's that? All the way since the first round. Right. Right. Well, I I, that, that was well, that a strategic wasn't a two, decision. Two. Yeah, that, two, wasn't two. A, that wasn't a 2-2. Two, two. Sorry. Yeah. Well, look, let's go so. back to the conversation we had earlier, right? Talking about the Suns. They got Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Those are guys that you're in a one-game situation. Those are, those are guys who can mm-hmm. get something done. We'll see if James Harden can do it again. He's already done it twice in this series. Joel Embiid just won MVP. This is a guy who put up 52 and 13 on the Celtics. This is a guy who's had 26 mm-hmm. points out of 27. His team scored in a quarter. But I've watched this season, scoring 59 against Utah. Like, this is a guy who is a special player who can do special things. And this is a guy who, for a long time, has been waiting for an opportunity like this. Now, we'll yeah. see it physically where I was feeling on Tuesday. We'll see where his energy's at. It is going to be an extra half a day. He had, you know, day and a half basically to this game. Essentially going to be two and a half for game five. So he should be ready to go. And, you know, I mean, it's a huge opportunity because right I, if, I think everybody looking at this series pretty realistically I think Boston's the best team left in the playoffs and should win the next three series but we have seen the Celtics time and again mess around and throw the ball away and miss opportunities and open the door and you know Joel is good enough to potentially carry these guys home if he can have a special game on Tuesday yeah, and 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 he needs to answer the bell. Harden's gotten them two wins. Like a Harden has delivered in the series. You know, a guy who uh, there there's been so much criticism and scrutiny on. You know, some of his past playoff performances, disappointments. Uh, even though he's had two terrible games in the series, he has he has delivered. He has held up his end because he's had two just absolute, you know, phenomenal. Uh, performances. They need the MVP to have that kind of night um, to, to be able to pull off a, a, an upset in this series against a you know, team that has home court advantage. But by the way, Harden has now had four 40-point games in the playoffs after shooting under 25% the game before, which is <laughs> he's the only person ever to do that, which I think sort of sums up the James Harden, not only the James Harden postseason experience, but the James Harden Easter Conference semifinal playoff experience, which For has sure. just been an absolute wild roller coaster. And God bless them. I mean, at the end of the regulation, I mean, it's sort of been forgotten, but when Philly had nothing going 
he gets in the lane and makes a really difficult mm-hmm. runner to tie mm-hmm. the game. Yes, that's right. We didn't talk about and, that at all. Yeah. And it comes back in overtime and hits this massive shot in the corner. And, you know, the other thing, too, this Philly team is really tough, which is not something you could say about the Sixers in past years. This is mm-hmm. a team that we saw in that Atlanta series. They folded like a cheap suit a bunch of times and losing that series. They they got you know knocked out of the playoffs last year by Miami. It was a similar thing. Well, Doc these brought guys, that up. Well, these guys aren't as good as my as as uh, the Celtics probably. They're, they might be better than everybody else, but they're probably not as good as Boston. But they are really tough, and they have shown well, you throughout know, this season that they can come back and take a punch and come back and fight some more, and that served them well in this game. And, you know, if they are going to get a couple more wins in the series, they're going to need more of it. But it, hey, they can, this they team can wouldn't have come back from down five with two minutes to go. Well, Doc, Doc did bring up the difference between that Miami series and this series, and he said one name, P.J. Tucker. Mm-hmm. P.J. Tucker went from Miami to Philly, and he's made a big difference, and he had a couple of huge plays in this game, including a putback. P.J. Tucker was the, the final piece to the uh, Bucks title puzzle. Yep. For sure. Well, Tobias Harris shot an air ball and ended up in P.J. Tucker's hands, and he made a three-point play that was one of the key plays in the game as the uh, Sixers came back from being down uh, in that two-minute stretch. Um, well, and he also well, went, like I said earlier, he also went and lit up Embiid on the court in front of everybody mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. And, like, there there are not a lot of people that can do that, that can go after up to making like the Joel Embiid and do After that. making the and one. Before it was a really important free throw I needed to take to tie the game. But before he did that, he went over there and barked in Embiid's ear, like, stop, stop getting blocked by Al Horford. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically it like, what he's this what guy, he said. this guy is unguardable. You go back to being unguardable and stop letting this guy slow you down. More Hoop Collective Podcast after this. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play and boom on yeho tequila came in with a smooth assist to hypnotic's tropical fruit finish shaken strained poured it was green and good the playmaking splash shifted the tempo another great cocktail from the hypnotic team every season is hypnotic and tequila season hypnotic liquor bardstown kentucky 17 percent alcohol by volume hypnotic reminds you to think wisely drink wisely If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or bike plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. All right, one more story on this one before we move on real quick. So apparently on the way to the game, on Sunday afternoon, Doc Rivers sent James Harden a song via text and said, I want, you know, this is, you know, this was your, your inspiration. 
and it was a seven minute long gospel song. And Bon Temps and I played it in his car. First time gospel's ever been played in Bon Temps ride. Well, it didn't last very long. It was almost unlistenable with all due respect to the artist. (laughs) Um, much less seven minutes. And Harden said he got, he get the text when he's, um, and he said, I don't know who was in the car. I mean, his, I mean, his buddy, little baby, little baby, little baby, little Little baby, little baby. He was at the game. I think that's one of those, um, one of the guys who was helping him get ready for his last rock. (laughs) The last one. Birthday party Uh, in Atlanta. Yes, I, you know, anyway, I'm not saying he was with them, but, you know, apparently James was in his car, quote, with my homies. I don't know who that was. Okay. You weren't there? He's like, let me see what, uh," I wasn't there. He said, let me see what Doc sent me. He grabbed the aux cable. I know he doesn't actually have an aux cable, but, and he played it apparently in the car on the way there. And I just can't imagine these, these, these dudes listening to this. Um, But hey, listen, this is what Doc decided to do to motivate him and. And uh, uh, listen, it's an eight minute song, and James said he listened to the whole thing, so you know, I guess it's called You Know My Name. The whole point was get back to being James Hart again. Listen, if Lil Baby was there, there might be a remix coming out. Hey, listen, (laughs) he that would be uh, appreciated. Uh, Him and me, him and me could do one together. (laughs) (laughs) Travis Scott, get all James homies involved here, right. Uh, yeah, the hardened section of the courtside seats was enjoying itself on this yeah, day. I would imagine. And, and they should have. A lot more than um, they were on Friday, that's for sure. That's right. Um, before we go, I want to touch on the game fours that are going to be on uh, Monday night. Um, I would just say I feel the same way. If I was talking to Knicks fans or Warriors fans, I would tell them both the same thing. You get home 2-2, you're okay. Just get home 2-2. Mm-hmm. Um, you I know that win this game. <laughs> that's my veteran. I know that looks a little bleak for the Knicks right now. Jimmy's back. They do mm. not seem to be playing well. Randall and Brunson both played bad in Game Three. They get home two-two, home court. They're going to be all right. And I'll say the same thing about the Warriors. I almost want to say whoever wins that Warriors Lakers Game Four is going to win the series. Not quite ready to say that. And I'll say it. Um, that's I think that's how it's going to go. Wendy is ready to take his victory lap on the top six roster in the West. I know that. Bontemps is. is not Bontemps is not willing to allow it. He's still fighting me on that. In fact, I'm not even going to bring it up to him anymore because it fires him up. I'm just going to leave it alone. I mean, yeah, listen, it's, it's been proven zero right. Chance, there's zero only, chance they're going to leave it alone. There's only four <laughs> teams left, and they're one of them, and they're up in their series. So I think hey, we listen. I think we're going to have to go ahead and and concede defeat on that one, Bontemps. Well, listen, the Lakers the Lakers have been very impressive in the playoffs, and uh, it, the situation remains the same. If AD is the best player on the court, they can win. Like, I would that's say what it comes down to. Not necessarily even the best player on the court. If AD plays well. Honestly, it, AD has had – we're talking about like Harden has alternated between awesome and awful in this series. Uh, AD offensively has been – defensively, he's been a monster all playoffs long offensively though it's kind of been a similar deal he's had some just dominant performances and he's had some duds well he's been the best player on the court in two out of three games and they've won the two games like that's 
that's the barometer. He's got to be, I mean, you know, Saturday night, he had 25 and 13 and what, four, four blocks, three steals, three assists, that's seven, seven for 10 from the field, 11 for 12 from the line. Like he I would was say, dominant. I would say the only reason he doesn't have to, I'd say he doesn't have to be the best is because LeBron, even in, in a game that has this kind of star power, LeBron is still capable of being the best player. That's fair. But if AD has got to, whatever LeBron is doing, their chance of winning comes down to AD playing like that. Yeah. In game two, he had 11 points and was invisible. So he's got to be like that. And if he's like that, this team can keep winning games against the Warriors. But that's yeah. what it's Two things say. about that series. Two things mm-hmm. about that series. One, D'Angelo Russell is playing well. And when D'Angelo Russell is playing well, things are great for the Lakers. He doesn't always, though. He's a high-variance yeah. player, and he's he's feeling himself right now. Oh, yeah. Um, second thing is the chess Take match. The Wolves. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to leave that one alone. Um, the chess match with Curry has been interesting. Um, the Lakers in game one were doing heavy ball denial, um, trying to stand on his toes. Um, so the Warriors made an adjustment in game two, put him on the ball. Um, mm-hmm. The Lakers would often trap him when he would come down and go into a pick and roll, put two guys on him. And then Curry would sort of give it to a another player who – Sometimes it was to Draymond, who was often setting the screens. And so then with if Curry was trapped and he gets rid of the ball, now it's four on three, basic yep. math. And then he was also getting the ball to, to, to Clay, who was hitting shots. Mm-hmm. Um, so in game three, uh, Darvin Ham made a pretty basic change. He's, he um, put Jared Vanderbilt, who had been on Curry quite a bit, he put him on Draymond Green. Hmm. And he put Austin Reeves on Steph Curry. Now, normally you would say, well, man, Steph Curry, a toast Austin Reeves. Actually, Austin Reeves is a pretty good competitor and has decent size. Um, but so now when they would come up and have Draymond Green set the screens, they would just switch it. And now they get Vanderbilt on him, which is a matchup that they like. And they don't have to worry about Vanderbilt getting caught up in screens. And it kind of messed him up. Um, there's you know a lot of other things that were going on there. AD playing a lot better. But the chess match with Curry has been interesting. And so now the ball's in Steve Curry's Steve Kerr's court to see what he does back. And the thing about Curry is he's so malleable. He can do so many different things that it gives you a lot of options. So that's one of the things that you watch for in game four. Yeah. I mean, and, the, the Warriors, the Warriors shot 1344 from three had 19 turnovers and they continued with this idiocy of starting to Michael Green. So it, assuming they <laughs> get away from doing that. Well, the, and the, what you call idiocy, the first around. game worked out brilliantly and, and it was well, a big then, catalyst in their win. Look, I, Steve, I think Steve Kerr is a hell of a coach. He's one of the best coaches of all time. But one you just of the called him an idiot. Things, well, one of the things he does that I think is crazy is he will do this things with lineups where if they win a game, he will keep doing it no matter what until they lose again. Like when he had Draymond Green not on the, not starting for three games because they won the first game without him. So let's just keep doing this, and then they end up getting obliterated at home in game six and like, Oh, now we're going to go back to the great lineup in game seven. It's like, okay, I'm glad we got back to this point. Now the other thing too, for golden state, Jordan pool has been horrific mm, in these playoffs. And at some point these guys have to decide, like if I don't even know if they can play him at this point, alone play him 25 minutes. What's that I contract? One not great. I mean, I, I'm sure they're going to keep rolling him out there, but like even the other night, he played 22 minutes was two for nine. It's over four from three. Like he has just been. He did have a good game in game three or game two. He made a bunch of threes. He made some made some shots. I mean, 
actually it was game one when they lost. He went six for 11 from three, but he, he was one for four on twos. In game two, he barely played, and then he went three for six. Like, he's he's been a non-factor, and I, I think they got to try to limit his minutes as much as he, possible. He, he has had an awful four. playoffs. I'm looking at his stats now. Guy's shooting 28.8% from three, 35.5 from the field. Just averaging 11.6 points. And this is a guy, if he's not scoring, he's really not a what there's he doesn't do a whole lot else that impacts winning. Um, it's, it's let's be honest, at, at this point, that contract looks pretty dicey. I don't know that they had a whole lot of choice in the matter, especially given the events that played out just before those negotiations uh, picked up. But, well, let me say this about Jordan Poole. He's very streaky, and he can make you forget about it all in one game. So, well, he was he was pretty rough in the playoffs last year too. And as they went on, he got sort of. I mean, he played better than this, but he as when they were playing against Boston, like he was not much of a factor in that series because he couldn't really stay out there in those situations. But to your point, I mean, last year's like playoff. His playoff percentage were 51-39. Those are pretty no, good. He shot, he, he shot the ball. He played much, much, much better in those playoffs. But when they got down to the end, when they were playing Boston, he was mm-hmm. playing like 16, 17 minutes a game because they were just attacking him over and over defensively. And to your point, though, Brian, he's a lot like D'Angelo Russell. And D'Angelo Russell could go back to being a pumpkin in game four, and Jordan Poole could hit six threes like he did in game one. Like, that's – you know, those are those guys are very similar at both ends. So, you know, we'll see what happens. All right. But before we go, let's touch on the Knicks uh, heat real quick. Um, the Knicks absolutely could not buy a jump shot in game three. Um, I thought that they haven't been able to hit shots all playoffs. It's been sort of wild. I felt that the heat definitely came out with a much more aggressive mindset to rebound the ball because that's one of the Knicks big strengths. And um, it was a big factor in game two uh, when they evened up the series without Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, who kind of comes and goes in terms of rebounding. He was absolutely just fighting and it led to some frustration that, you know, it led to some pushing and shoving. And there was a bunch of loose ball fouls that were called and many more that could have been called. And I thought that the heat really took the fight to the, to the Knicks. Um, I think the rebounds were even roughly even maybe one team had a couple more, but you know, the Knicks are used to winning and if not dominating the boards and that didn't happen. And then, you know, Jimmy wasn't great, but he was productive and Jalen Brunson and, and Julius Randall, quite frankly, weren't productive. Yeah. Uh, and I know that, I know that they're both dinged up, you know, both dealing with ankle injuries. Brunson's got a hand injury. I'm not saying that everything's a okay, but, um, you know, if you're not if you're not going to get great games with from Brunson and Randall, or, and you're not going to outside shots, and you're not going to win the boards, or at least be very close to winning it, you're gonna you're gonna lose if you're the Knicks, and that's what happened in Game Three. But they could they were able to generate open shots. A, a lot of those looks were really clean. Well, it wasn't like the Heat were smothering them. The Knicks in the playoffs have hit twenty seven point eight percent of their threes. That is by far the worst of any team. Sacramento is second at over 30%. Nobody else is under 32%. So, I mean, they're going, they're averaging nine for 33 from three every game. It's kind of remarkable they're in the second round if they're shooting like that. 
Miami, meanwhile, well, is 27th in the league in three-point shooting. They didn't play shooting. the best first-round team. So. Well, that's fair. You're going to cancel your radio show in Cleveland, buddy. <laughs> well, I'm just well, telling it like it is. Well, in Miami, by the way, was 27th in three-point shooting in the regular season, and they're second in the playoffs, hitting 39% of their threes, hitting 14 for 36. Like, if the Knicks give up 15 points a game from the three-point line on top of the other issues, then they're going to be in huge trouble. Like, they're due to hit shots. We'll see if they can hit some shots. Emmanuel quickly finally had a better game in game three. And then he uh, he hurt his ankle. So we'll see if he's going to be able to do anything in game four. That was a worrisome. But, that getting rolled up from behind is – that's yeah. not a good thing. It, it, it didn't totally collapse down on his ankle, but it was, you know, he, it was not good to see it him. It was not great. It was not great. Yeah. Um. But yeah, but they got to hit some shots. I mean, they just got to hit some shots. They're due to have a good shooting game. If they don't get one, like you said, it's going to be very hard for them to win that game. Yeah, and so my my guess would be, I don't know, of course, but my guess would be the Butler would get stronger as the series goes along. Although he did, man, he turned his, you know, in the game where he got hurt in game one, he turned his ankle outward, the, the conventional ankle turn where you roll it outward. Then in game three, he went in for a drive and he rolled his ankle inward, same right ankle. Uh, so I don't know, man. I mean, he was even things out according to my math. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. And then uh, during the game, Eric Spolster had the in-game interview and he said, Oh yeah, Jimmy hurt his thigh. Uh, and then after the game, there was asked for a follow-up and he's like, Oh, I misspoke. He didn't hurt. He didn't hurt his thigh. So I don't know what we believe there. So I don't know. But uh, probably not that probably not that he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, but I, I know Jimmy will be out there. So, um, uh, you know, the Knicks got to hit some shots. If they're going to stay alive here, if they go down three, one, I don't think they're beating he three in a row, but if they're two, two, Hey, gardens, hard place to play. They can, they can get hot. They're due to make some shots. I, I think they're very much still in it. And I know that's not exactly a hot take when you're playing an eight seed, but the Lakers aren't really a seven and the heat aren't really an eight. That's just the way it is for this, for this uh, playoffs. So, um, all right. Well, thank you for listening to collective podcast. Thank you to McMahon for, uh, I know you still got a lot of work to do there. Thank you to Jackson for staying up late and thank you to bond temps for his contributions and for chauffeuring me back from Philadelphia. Adios. Try it again, McMahon. Adios amigos. And also bond temps. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.